We're going to come around to the Word of God now, and I'm going to hand over to Mike, who's going to uh, speak to us this morning. So if you've got a Bible with you, or if you're watching on at home, you can turn with me to the book of Genesis today. We're having a one-week break from our series in Luke. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 32, beginning at verse 22 this morning. And this is what it says. Jacob wrestles with God. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called this place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Let's pray, Now I'm going to invite Mike to come back up, and Mike will bring us the word today. Father God, we want to thank you and praise you for your words. We thank you, Lord God, that as we read your word, it in turn reads us. And at times when we open up your word, it indeed makes us feel uncomfortable because it shines a light on our lives and shows us where you're calling us to change, where you're calling us to act, what you're calling us to do. Today, Lord God, we pray you'll help us sit with the tension of the uncomfortableness of Scripture. Lord, you'll help us to reason with the Scriptures and hear your voice through what you're saying. But Lord, we don't just want to hear your voice. Give us the courage, we pray today, to act in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mike, over to you. Thank you. You're doing an amazing thing. Oh, Luke, what time do I finish? You said half one. Half one? Yeah, that's fine. That soon? <laughs> about 30 minutes. Okay. Um, I, I just want to mention just a couple of things about the child survival unit. Uh, that you guys are supporting. The difference it makes is phenomenal. Just to give you, drill down a little bit into that, to give you an idea of what happens. In extreme poverty, obviously more, the, the mortality rate is high, so mums, pregnant mums really struggle. A lot of these places are very rural, so if there are complications with the pregnancy, they, there is no local hospital, they don't just dial 999 and get, get the ambulance to come, they can't do that they have very little food themselves. So therefore, nutrition, the, mother, the mothers can be quite weak. They have very little education about bringing up children. 
Uh, so it's a very, very complicated environment that these children are born into. Well, because of Hope Baptist Church, this, this child survival unit, I'm trying to look at the name here, I did have it in my head. It's in Pute, I think it's Pute, there we are. Um, 15 mothers and babies uh, have hope because of hope. So what you're doing is you are funding 15 mothers and babies prenatal, so uh, they will have all their prenatal checks, they'll be given nutritional food, they'll be vaccinated and given all the medical help they need, they'll be educated, the dads will be educated as well, you'd be pleased to know. Then when the baby's born, there will be a midwife in attendance or a doctor in attendance. If there are any complications uh, with that birth, they will be instantly taken to the nearest hospital. Uh, and, uh, you know, when, when I think it was in Ghana when I, I was talking to a lady there, it might have been Uganda, but she wouldn't have, uh, she wouldn't have survived if there hadn't have been a, a, child survival, a child survival intervention. It's that serious. So once the child's born, the child is then vaccinated, it's fed well, breastfeeding and all that, we make sure that all that works. The midwife continues to meet. The mother is taught uh, a trade, so uh, I didn't put this on specially for this, I wear this every time to remind me why, why I do what I do. But this was actually handmade, it's got my name on it, it was handmade by a mother in a child survival unit in Uganda. And, and that can then become an income stream for that mother. So um, then the child is looked after uh, until the child reaches one. The mother and child have made sure we make sure that they're okay and they continually meet in the project. And then at the age of one, that baby is then transferred into the full program and that baby can then be sponsored at one year old right the way through to exit of formal education. Isn't that fantastic? Extreme poverty, the worst level of poverty. No, no sanitation, sleeping on mud floors, no, no real decent food generally, living on less than $1.9 a day for an entire family. The reality is it's less than a dollar with most of those guys. They have to beg, they have to scrounge and scavenge to get what they have. But because of you, you're changing all of that. Um, the nice lady in the PA booth, if we could show the Ginsley uh, clip before I preach, that would be fantastic. I always wanted to be a dentist. When I just come to my reality, I just understand that I couldn't afford it. If we didn't have just a little bit of rice in our house, how come can I pay a university? How come can I think and study? My story changed when compassion with my sponsor and also the team of my church came to my life. It was really exciting for me to go to the project because I knew that a lot of friends were waiting for me. And also because my director was really lovely. She used to hug us. She used to ask me, hey, Gisele, how are you? 
through the project, I was able to go to my school with my stomach full of food. If I get sick, I have someone to take care of me. Every day we have someone who teaches a Bible story and we used to sing and sometimes the teacher just stand up and say who can start praying and a lot of kids were raising their hands and it means that we just believing God was with us. We as a child we are seeds and if someone just take us and put us in the right earth and give us water to letters and water to the team of compassion we start growing and one day we start giving fruits. My sponsor used to write it to me. I can do everything in Jesus Christ. So in the deep part of my heart, I knew that God was able to do something with my dreams. If I were able to have my sponsor in front of me, the only thing that I can just tell her. It's just thank you. Thank you so much for changing my life. Thank you so much for my past. And thank you so much for what I am right now. Because what I am right now is because God used her so much. If someone is considering and sponsor a child, what I can say is just do it. <laughs> Don't think about it, just do it. That's it. Does child sponsorship work? Yep, it certainly does. Um, I want to bring you. Uh, a short word based around the scripture that we just heard. And it's the title of this message, if you're into titles, is Crossing Over. Transitioning from one place to another place. The whole of the gospel is about transitioning. If you think about it, uh, Jesus comes to us. We're, 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 we're struggling with life. Our sin blocks us from God. And Jesus comes, the cross comes and transfers us through the cross, through this relationship with Christ. We transfer from death into life. Now, for a long time, I used to think when I was first a Christian that that was it. That was the end of the story. But actually, you learn, uh, as all of us here probably have, and for those of you guys at home listening to my voice at home as well, that actually the Christian life is a continual life of transitioning and crossing over. And that's where the Bible says we trans we're transformed from one glory to another glory to another glory to another glory. The old saying, God loves me the way I am, but he loves me too much to leave me the way I am, is so true. If I was to say, put your hand up if you're perfect, I wouldn't hopefully see any hands go up. And the reason is, is because we are always improving. He is always taking us, he's always crossing us over into a new realm and a new thing. And so today, yeah, there's going to be a challenge for compassion. I want to put a disclaimer right at the beginning. Do not feel bullied or pushed into sponsoring a child or giving by me or anybody else because it's down to the Holy Spirit in you that inspires you. It's when the Holy Spirit squeezes your heart. That's the time to sponsor. But there will be a challenge to do that. 
crossing over. How does it work? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Follow me, he says. Turn from where you're going, leave where you are. Repentance is exactly that, crossing over. I about turn and I go in a different direction to the direction that I was going in. The scene, pre what we were just what we've just heard from the Bible, comes something like this. Jacob is what we would probably term today a bit of a dodgy geezer, if you know what I mean. He, um, he'd spent the vast part of his life up to this point cheating and swindling and conning and scheming to get everything he could for himself. He was into him. All, the, all that mattered in his early days was him. He got what he wanted. And now we come to the point in this story that those of us sometimes silently wait, wait for, and that is the downfall of a slick gym. I can remember years and years and years ago uh, when um, I had a little moped, and I can remember a friend of mine fell off his moped, and for some reason, when you're 16, it's funny, and it, it's not funny at all. But it was at the time, because I was looking in my mirror on my moped, and I saw him fall off. He was fine, absolutely fine, but it was, it just, for some reason, in my sad state struck my humor and then maybe two months later we're riding past uh, a, a nightclub in Boscombe in Dorset and uh, it was raining and those of you that have ever ridden uh, a, a major, league hog, major league hog like a moped uh, will know that the moment you hit uh, a, a wet manhole covering it, it, you, can, you can come off it and of course I did and I'm sliding along on my bottom in front of all the people queuing up to go in the nightclub and my friend actually if you believe in karma that was definitely one of those karma moments but this is the point we get to really with Jacob Jacob you know all his chickens are coming home to roost he'd he swindled his brother Esau out of his birthright and 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 now he God's told him you got to head home and he knows Esau is coming to meet him and Esau's coming not on his own he's coming with four of 400 other people so it's his moment. This is his falling off his moped in front of the nightclub, I guess. You know, Jacob, Jacob was a labeled boy. The Bible says this, when he was born, the first to come out was red. His whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Jacob. It was a bit of a label, grasped heel. That's what Jacob means. It gave him a label, and, and that label lived with him for a long time. Supplanter, schemer, trickster, or swindler. There is a power in a label that many of us within earshot of my voice will understand what I'm talking about. Maybe you were, you, somebody said to you years ago, you, you're, you're, you're too fat. Or maybe somebody said to you years ago, you'll never accomplish much in your life. You're, you're a bit thick. Or maybe somebody said over your life, uh, in some point in your history, you'll never amount to anything. And these labels can stick and we can begin to live out these labels. Subconsciously, we begin to live these things out. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God that Jesus transitions us from one point into a new point. And you remember later on that actually Jacob got a new name. 
He was named Israel. That is the conclusion, really, I guess, of everything that we're reading about here. He lived his label, twists his brother out of his birthright, chapter 25, cons his blind dad, steals the firstborn's blessing, chapter 27. See, part of the problem with extreme poverty is this. People get labeled. I wish I could have shown you uh, a, a different, uh, another video. I, I, I haven't got time to show you all the stuff we've got, but... Um, poverty labels people. If you're born in poverty, in fact, Ginsley kind of said it, didn't she? What hope do I have to study to become a dentist? Couldn't, can't even afford to go to school. Can't even afford to get food on the table. And so poverty labels these children. Got a little girl here, baby Jemima. I really hope little baby Jemima gets sponsored today. And if she, if she tugs something in your heart, you need to catch me quickly after this. But little baby Jemima, if it weren't for you and people like you and people like me, two million children, incidentally, are sponsored through Compassion at the moment. 28 pounds a month is what it costs. Just putting that out there. But they get labeled. You'll never accomplish that. You'll never break out of this. There's a label over your name. Here we have Jacob 20 years later on his way home back to Canaan, the land of promises of God. Brother Esau, as we said, is coming to meet him. He's got 400 men with him. This is a guy who threatened to kill Jacob. He's turning up to give him a welcome party as he comes home. <laughs> He's so going to fall off his moped, isn't he? But he has to, listen to this, he has to negotiate his past to get to his future. He has to go through the stuff. He has to come to terms with the stuff of his past. And I make an impassioned plea here. As we grow in Christ, and, and maybe some of you here have been Christians a long time, maybe not so long, maybe some of you guys here, maybe some of you guys at home haven't even yet made that decision yet. Maybe you're on your journey. Maybe today's your day. But the point is this, is that throughout our lives, God calls us to negotiate our past so we can grasp our future because the future is bright. The future is bright. How does he negotiate his past to get to his future? Well, it all kicks off there at Jabbok. That night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he'd sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions, and he had a lot. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Number one, he's alone. Jacob is left alone. Verse 24, I wonder if you've ever felt alone. I wonder if you ever felt that there's nobody with you. I wonder if you're at home right now thinking to yourself, that's exactly how I feel. I've got lots of acquaintances, but I feel very lonely within. I feel like I have nobody, no friends, no one to help. Maybe you feel like you're being confronted by your enemies, just like Jacob was. For, for some, those enemies may be fear. For some, they may be hurt. For some, they may be bereavement. We've been through a terribly difficult time, and you feel alone because of that. Maybe for some, it's hopelessness. And maybe for some, it's poverty. A situation that is literally beyond you, just like Ginsley. 
in this place, in this position that we get ourselves into, the only place to go to is God. The only solution is in Christ. I can't find another way. I don't think there is another way. Just Joseph and God. That's the place of Jabbok. That's the place to cross over. I want to remind you that Jacob had already prayed to God a day earlier. Oh, God, save me. I can remember as a young man of 18, when I was 17, 18, I can remember crying out to this God that I didn't believe in. I was pretty much an atheist and and crying out to this God that didn't exist. If you do exist, help me. Nothing seemed to happen. And then when I was 24, suddenly I had the revelation that Jesus Christ is alive and he's changing lives. He wants to change my life and he loves me. And suddenly my life was transformed. But it's the true encounter with God that needs to take place. The genuine thing. He had to let everything go that had accumulated over the years. He sent it all over the Jabbok River. He had nothing with him. All his riches, all, his, all the stuff that he gained was gone. It was simply him and the man he wrestled with and the man you know was a theophany, was God. Jabbok means emptying. He got to a point of being stripped of everything. All his distractions were gone. Often God will strip us of all our comforts. Often God will take away those things that we would normally turn to for for support, not because he dislikes us and not because he wants us to have trouble or difficulty, but because he wants us to come to him because he's the only one that can bring the solutions that we need. I've seen this so many times for those who are in these dreadfully hopeless situations. They have nothing. When you, when you visit Ghana, like we visited Ghana, and, and uh, thank you, Lord, I've been to various other places as well. They have nothing. They don't have the NHS. They don't have social services. We ask the question, why is the faith of people who live in these countries so high? The reason their faith is so high, or part of the reason is, they have nowhere else to go. Jesus. What else have they got? Simply Jesus. And so they throw all their hope into Jesus, and he never disappoints. You know, there's an old saying, some people are so poor, all they have is money. Money can can get in the way. And I've been a leader, I've been a minister for 30-something years and been involved in church development and development of pastors and development of all kinds of things. And and I've come to learn that money is one of the biggest strongholds we have. It's certainly one of the biggest strongholds I had. I love what John Wesley used to say. He used to say, you have to have two conversions, one of the soul, one of the wallet. And it's the truth. People get offended when you talk about money and where, where our money goes. We get offended. Interesting how God challenges us in these ways. Here's an interesting fact. 
Jacob is on his way back to Canaan. Canaan was the prophetic promised land. To get into the land of God's promises, he has to cross Jabbok. Now remember, God gave him the dream of his destiny in Genesis 28. It included, listen carefully, his children's destiny. It wasn't just his life that was at stake here. It was his children, his children's children, and his children's children's children. The change that he was going to take was going to transform all the lives that came after him. It's a pebble in a pond moment. It's not just him. It grows out from him and influences us today in this church. The stairway to heaven at a place called Luz, which is in Canaan. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You're spread out the west, the east, the north, the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Two million children set free from poverty. Sixty children have a hope and a future because of Hope Baptist Church. Fifteen mums, babies, my goodness, I'm getting emotional just thinking about this, have a completely different destiny because you have put your hands in your pockets and you've taken a punt and you've said, you know what, we can make a difference. (laughs) In heaven now, they'll be stood on their chairs applauding (laughs) because it is so big and it's so important. And these are people that Jesus loves and people that he died for and people that he wants to reach. And he's doing it through the generosity of this incredible church called Hope in Plymouth. Imagine the ripples that come out from two million pebbles in a pond. Sets up a stone, pours oil on it, names the place Bethel. Bethel, you'll know, means the house of God. And the point we meet him in the passage is he's on his way back to the house of God. I've led a church for a long time. The hope of the world rests in the local church. Because we carry life and we carry hope. Bethel, the hope of God. How awesome is this place? I think it's one of the few places in the Bible you read the word awesome. That's what he says. How awesome is this place? Quickly. Number two, he wrestles it out with God. Jacob's left alone and a man wrestles with him until daybreak. Wrestling with God. I wonder if you've ever wrestled with God. You may have been alone. I've wrestled more with God than anybody else. And, you know, repentance and finances and even sponsoring. I mean, we sponsored another child last week. I was shocked when my wife said, this little boy, we got help, this little boy. And there's a wrestling takes place. Well, it's another 28 quid a month, really? And, and, and you fight this stuff through your head. But we wrestle with God. Had Jacob been to Bible college, he'd have realized the name for what happened to him was a theophany, a manifestation of God himself. In verse 30, he says, I saw God face to face. Now, I believe in angels. Mount Zion, thousands and thousands of angels, Hebrews tells us that's where we've come to. John, in his vision in Revelation, sees myriads upon myriads of angels. You can't see them generally. They reveal to the shepherds as a great company of heavenly hosts. The Bible says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers because you can entertain angels without even knowing it. So be encouraged that angels are around you. Be encouraged. Whatever you make of these scriptures, be encouraged. I believe they're here now. The Bible says this. Jesus said to the crowds, see that you don't despise one of these little ones, these children. See that you don't despise baby Jemima. 
Because I tell you, her angel, their angels in heaven, always see the face of my Father in heaven. Cross Jabbok, fight it out with God, fight it out with him. Number three, he's given what he could never take. Jacob is given what he could never take, and that is the Father's blessing. We all need to feel loved. We all need to feel valued. Whether we're, whether we're living in Kensington in London or whether we're living in the slums of Kampala, we are all the same and we all have the same need. Whether we're a criminal that is locked up for some heinous crime or whether we're a saint incarnate who's changing the world, we all have the same need. Listen to what Jacob says to the man, verse 26. I will not let you go unless you bless me. You're going nowhere, God. I crave a father's blessing. I crave a father's blessing. I've tried to rip it off. I've tried to get it. And, and you did give it me, and, uh, or, or my father gave it me, and he put it, but it didn't satisfy me. There's something deeper in me. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. This cheater, this trickster, alone at last with God, now meets him. Now meets him. He gains everything at this point. He's got flocks, children, possessions, natural father's blessing that he'd stolen. But he still knew that there was something missing, and it was the blessing of God in heaven. The blessing of God in heaven. I know that's resonating in hearts now. That you are loved, that you are valued, that you are quality that you have a destiny, that, you, that there's a better future, a preferable future, whatever the terminology is for it. There's a better life to be had, a higher place to be. He couldn't overcome the conflict within himself. He still craved the blessing of God. Let me close. His walk was forever changed from this point. I love that. The mark of a man of God was a limp. <laughs> when the man saw he couldn't overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel. Peniel means face of God, and he was limping because of his hip. As I close, when you truly meet with God, you never walk the same again. When you cross Jabbok, and you'll cross it several times. You will never be the same afterwards. If it's a true encounter with God, you will not be the same. You won't need to prove it to anybody because you'll be changed. You won't need to try to change. You will be changed. You will have a limp. There will be a marked difference in your walk because you met God. I find the grace of God thoroughly outrageous that God forgives to the degree he does. Jacob, the crook, the cheat, the lowest of the low, conned his own father, ripped off his brother, has the neck to cry out to God, bless me. Isn't that outrageous? Isn't it astonishing? Did he deserve it? No, he didn't. Listen carefully, particularly you guys at home, maybe some of you are on your journey. Listen, you don't deserve I don't deserve, none of us deserve the grace of God. That's why it's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Paid a debt I couldn't pay with everything he had. And then the word says this, he blessed him there. He blessed him there. 
The goal of all of this, why does God bless us? This is so important. I bring it back to compassion. I bring it back to Ghana and the children. Please, God, Deo Volante will be sponsored today. Hopefully, hopefully. Why does he bless us? So that we can take that blessing and be a blessing to others. That's why he blesses us. That's why he gives to us. We're blessed to be a blessing. Genesis 49, I don't have time to read it. No guilt or pressure in this. So do not feel pushed or forced into giving anything to anybody. But just understand this, that he blesses us. He pours into us so we can pour out to others. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Why is a generous person promised prosperity? I've wondered about that. The reason is for what I've just said. In fact, you read it in 2 Corinthians 9.11, you'll be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will then result in thanksgiving to God. In other words, I'm going to give you loads of stuff so you can go and give that loads of stuff in my name. And when you give that loads of stuff in my name to somebody else, I get all the glory. And I'm going to give you more then. I'm going to refill your, your vat. It's recovery. Steps 10 to 12. We take this message to others. We take the message to others. I want to close because I'm sure my time must be up now. Can we just stand, please, in the presence of God for a moment or two? If you're at home, can I encourage you to somehow connect with what I'm saying if God is speaking to you? Let's just bow our heads in prayer for a moment. Please just focus on my voice for a moment or two. Not that it's me, I want you to hear it's the Spirit that may be speaking to you. The man asked him, what is your name? And in shock, this is from the Amplified Version, in shock, in realization and whispering, he said, Jacob, supplanter, trickster, schemer, swindler. When we get into the presence of God, we know who we really are, and he knows my real name. And here's the beautiful point of what I'm saying. It is the divine exchange. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, supplanter, but Israel, contender with God, because you've overcome and have power with God and with men and have prevailed. Father, I want to praise you and thank you that you love us the way we are, but you love us too much to leave us the way we are. I want to thank you, Father, for Jesus, for the cross, for Calvary. I want to thank you, Lord, for the new life that we gain in you. But as we stand at Jabbok and right now in this room and online, Many of us are at this point of transition where we have to cross over with a situation or something that's happening in our lives, Lord. I pray that you will empower 
empower each and every one of us to send all our possessions and all our props and all the things that we'd normally stand with ahead of us and that we'll wrestle this thing through with you to get the new name you want to give us. I want to pray for those, Lord, who maybe want to choose Christ today, who maybe are at this point of transition. I pray that right now they will make that decision and let that online pastor know that Christ is their hope today. And finally, Father, super important. I pray for those today who are wrestling with perhaps sponsoring a child. I pray for them, Father, that they will only hear your voice. But I do pray, Lord, for those that you've called in this place to stand with this ministry, to change a child's life. I pray in Jesus' name that you will strengthen each one of us, that we will make that decision and change a life in Jesus' name. Amen.